I don't know about you ladies, but it has been a crazy week over here with all of our workshops and challenges and just overall relationship with you guys just DMing and and calling and we have consultation calls. It has just been madness, but in a good way. So we're really, really happy to be back with you on the podcast to give you another episode that we know you're going to love. Now, before I announce what it is, I want to say... We're really excited about an upcoming marriage series that we're about to do. I know a lot of you have been asking us for a long time to do things on marriage. And we have done things about helping women to find spouses. And we still have that um, course and free class that we do twice a year. But I know for women who are already married, this is something that really hits home. This month, we've been focusing a lot on emotions and how to get them better. And that, that moves into all different facets of our life, right? We've talked about uh, minimalism, like scaling down in all the different areas of our life. And we've talked about, you know, just cleaning house and organizing, um, about just getting hold of our strong emotions in the uh, current challenge that we're doing right now. We have an emotions challenge where we're giving away a prize and we're pushing women to get deep into what's been bothering them. And lastly, now we're going to move into the marriage series where we're going to help women um, who are struggling with different issues within their marriage. And it's really a affecting their ability to function on a daily basis. I mean, think about it. If your marriage isn't going so well or you're just not feeling overall as happy as you could be, it definitely distracts you in your day and doesn't allow you to be your best self. So we just want to say that we're really excited to move into these things. On Instagram today, we are posting um, actually how you can submit your questions. This is really cool. Something we've never done before. Um, at the end of every one of the marriage series podcasts, we're going to be answering some live questions that you guys have that you submit. So really excited. Make sure to submit them via Instagram. Um, we ha- we'll have that up on our story or maybe one of our posts and please do submit. Super excited. Well, today we have an amazing, amazing guest. She's so good. Many of you women have been wanting to do more hands-on kids are home you know the home learning and Montessori is always known as an amazing amazing um, learning approach to use but it can be a bit daunting to women who are not familiar with how to do it and a bit pricey but guess what we have sister Esra Haider a Montessori teacher today who's going to give us the lowdown on how to do it cheap and easy and she's going to give a ton of links within the podcast so listen up she's going to tell you the most important amazing websites and books and all that good stuff. So sit tight, listen up. We have the Montessori series on how to, um, actually, sorry, Montessori interview on how to do Montessori cheap and easy with Esther Hader. and things can seem maybe boring or less, you know, motivating for them. So this is some really, really good stuff. And I um, love her stuff. And I know you will too, inshallah ta'ala. So I am going to introduce Sister Esther and Esther with no ado. And then um, I'm going to put up in the chat also afterwards. For um, those of you who don't know, this is actually an exclusive uh, Thrive Muslima 
membership workshop. However, we are opening up to many women who are interested in seeing kind of what we do here. And we bring on Muslim professionals um, within maybe two to three times a month. So really excited to have another sister here today in our community who's doing really great work. And inshallah, um, if you want to watch the replay, because some of you will ask me about that, or if you want to get her PDF that she has after with kind of some brief notes on things she talked about as a takeaway, those will also be inside the membership. I'll throw up the link for anyone who's interested in checking that out. Otherwise, enjoy the workshop and this amazing information. So I will read, um, Sister Esther, I just want to read her bio really quick. She's a mom of two and a lover of all things Montessori and nature. When she is not learning with her children in her home environment, she's exploring new ways of making Montessori education accessible to all. Sister Esra is AMI trained in the Montessori method for children ages three to six, and is also the founder of Muadda's Kids Center, a summer play space in Lebanon. So very, very excited to have you, Sister. Jazakumallahu khairan for coming on. It's my honor, really. The honor is all mine. So I'm going to turn things right over to you. And um, I just wanted you also, maybe also when you begin speaking, just for those women who are not as familiar with Montessori, just making them super familiar. Um, and, um, and at the end, just so you guys know, we'll do a Q and A. So what you can do right now is as Sister Esra's talking, something might resonate with you. Please type your question in the chat. And when we get to the Q and A, we'll go back and review it and we'll address them inshallah. Okay. So Jazakallah Sister Esra, go right ahead. Thank you, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Um, first of all, when we talk about the Montessori method, there's, um, there's the image that we have from social media, and then there's the reality. And that reality is based on Dr. Montessori's work, who was an Italian um, doctor, and she founded this method 100, in year, 100 years ago, um, based on truly child development. That is what it is based on. So the Montessori method is a scientific method, and research today has proved the effectiveness of the Montessori method. Um, and so it's really, for me, what attracted me to Montessori was that it aligns with the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the child. And he instilled in the child this futra, futra for learning, this futra for curiosity. And this is really what the Montessori method is based upon. It's based on child development and that inner growth natural laws that are within the child. Um, for starters, um, it's really important for people to know that the Montessori method um, is really quite remarkable and it's quite different than traditional schooling. So if you think about a traditional school, you're going to think about one teacher and maybe 20 or 30 students, and all of these students are learning the same thing at the same time. And the Montessori method, it's really the exactly opposite. We do have one teacher and we call that the guide. However, we have a mixed age environment where, where children of different ages between three to six are in the same environment. And each one of them is learning what they would like to learn, what they're interested in through the guidance of that teacher. And to me, that is really um, one of the key aspects of Montessori education is that we respect the child and so we respect his wishes, but we don't give him that freedom where he can just do anything that he likes or he's free to do as he please. However, we're in tune with the child. We're listening to the child. We're observing the child. And once a child is doing something that he's interested in, that creates this natural love for learning so that later on when he's five or six or seven or 11 or 12, he's not being forced to sit at a desk um, and do work or you know study math. 
He wants to do it. He, he enjoys it. And this is the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. He created us as curious beings who love to learn and who love to grow. And what I've found throughout the years is that the various methods of education unintentionally kind of curb, they, they just, um, you know, they crush that inner desire to learn within the child. And with time, the child loses that and he, he becomes part of a system. So this is really kind of um, a quick introduction about the Montessori method and why I believe that it is, the, it is I'm not gonna say the best method because I'm sure there are various methods and I'm very cautious with my words, but it is a methodology that we can adapt and that we can um, look into and research and hopefully take principles from that to kind of work with our children and learn with our children in a different way. Um, so let's just start, go right into it and to how are we going to approach this year? And um, most of us have uh, different choices. And regardless of what your choice is, whether it's virtual learning or you're doing complete homeschooling or your children are actually going back um, to school and it's not a Montessori school, um, that doesn't mean that we can't learn from these principles. So today what I really wanna do is I wanna empower you and I want you to become more informed about this method and to see how can we apply this, this philosophy that might seem really you know, strange or too complex or there's lots of weird material and everything is wooden and do we have to go out and buy you know, tons of things and spend lots of money? And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do that. Um, so the way that we're going to approach this is this, the way that Dr. Montessori approaches it and we have a triangle and this triangle has the child, the adult, and the prepared environment. And so these are the three components of education that we are going to be um, talking about and discovering and exploring how the Montessori method does this. So when we talk about the prepared environment, this means, this doesn't mean that you need to have a, a complete classroom set up in your home, nor does need to have you know all the Montessori materials. What it does mean is that, is that you need to create an environment that fosters your child's independence and gives your child the ability for him to support himself and support his growth. So let's take a few examples. Um, if your child is in the kitchen and he his age is appropriate, okay now I'm unmuted, sorry about that, um, and your child wants to brush his teeth and wash his face and does he need your assistance? Is, is the sink too high for him? Um, and you might be thinking, what does this have to do with you know, academics and learning and the ABCs and math? And it has everything to do with it because the Montessori method believes in developing the whole child. So we're not looking at the child just in terms of academics. We're, look, we're looking that we are instilling in him the, the characteristics and the skills and the tools that he needs to become a complete human being, human being who is working in society, who was capable of thriving in society. And so we want to look at our environment, which is our home environment, which is where we are most of the time now during these days. And we want to ask ourselves, are there ways that I can support my child's independence? It could be the simplest things, such as books, for example. The books might be in a shelf that's really, really too high for him. And he loves reading books. And these are the things that we take for granted and that we don't really think about. Or it could be maybe the furniture that's in our environment. Our child sees us sitting in our living room, working in the kitchen, um, you know, sitting at our desks. Are we giving the child the same? Are we giving the child the same opportunities 
for him to fulfill himself, for him to be an active member our, of our family member um, and of our, you know, of our, of our life? Or do we treat him as someone who is incapable? Because every time I'm doing something for my child that he himself is capable of doing, I am disrespecting my child and I am telling him, you know what, you can't do that. I'll do it for you. And then when he gets older, what's the message that we've kind of ingrained in his mind? What's the message that we've been sending to him all this time is that you're incapable and I will do it for you. And then fast forward a few, a few years later and we're telling him, oh, you're old enough now, you can, you can do it. And in reality, that's not the message that we've given him and that's not how we've prepared him. So the Montessori method is really about preparing our children for life. It is not exclusively about you know, academics. And so really we start at a very young age and we wanna, think, we wanna be thinking about our environment and thinking about the ways that we can empower our children to make them more independent. So I'm not gonna really dwell into the details of this, but the idea that I wanna um, give for you here in this point is that I invite you to relook at your home environment as we start this new year and think, do you have as a table and chair that are comfortable for him? Do you have a space where he can sit down comfortably in the living room in the same way that you are sitting and he has access to books or the material that he wants to work with? In the kitchen, children love to work in the kitchen. And most of the time, what do we say? You're not allowed, you can't do that. And let me tell you a secret. That is where they get most of their academic skills. And it just doesn't occur to us. When your child is pouring, when your child is using a, a, you know, a spoon and he's putting things, he's really developing concentration. Uh, when we see our child, he's, you know, he's peeling that, uh, that orange or he's working with that vegetable and he's so focused on that. That is education, that is academics because he's developing his concentration. And this is one of the key points that Dr. Montessori stresses, the development of concentration. Because without that concentration, our children are not going to be able to sit down and do academic work. They're not going to enjoy it. We're gonna notice that, oh, my child just can't sit down. So we can't expect um, for the child when he's five or six to just suddenly miraculously sit down and concentrate on work if we haven't been preparing the child to do that. So that preparation of concentration comes through these opportunities through our daily lives. When he's working with us in the kitchen, um, when he's playing with his Play-Doh, what is the one thing that we do or with his toys or, or his blocks? We come in and we say, great job, you're doing such a wonderful job. And what we've really done is that we've broken that moment of concentration. So my, I would invite you to kind of observe your child and the moment that you see that your child is concentrating, leave him, let it be. He's not looking for praise from you. He is developing something within him that is necessary for his self-construction. This is really what Dr. Montessori stresses um, is that the child is capable. He knows how to do it. Um, in the same way that nature unfolds without that external need for help. The child is in the same way. And what we do as adults is that we interfere so much. And we, you know, we believe that we know better than the child. We have more knowledge than the child. And in reality, what I've discovered, um, and you know, these things, they might seem like these cliche quotes that about education, about respecting the child and believing in the child. And we see them floating around on social media. 
And it really takes a lot of effort from us to believe this information because we're like, these are just ideas, you know, I know better than my child. But when you are in the presence of your own children and when you are in the presence of children as an educator and you take time to observe these children and observe the miraculous things that they do, we truly, that we believe that. And that is really the starting point for us to respecting and working with the child from a different perspective. And I always like to give this example of thinking about babies and how babies are born and they're not capable of doing anything. And yet suddenly at their first year, um, or maybe a little bit later, they start to walk all on their own. Did we give them videos and you know, show them how to walk? How did they do that? These are things I really want you to think about. And then at the age of two, they start talking and they start using these really big words. Well, who taught them that? How did they do that? Did we sit down with flashcards and you know, tell them that this is an apple? That is not how it happened. They observed that and they took all of that in. And this is something else that I really wanna stress on. And it's this idea of the absorbent mind. So our children have an absorbent mind and they're capable of absorbing all of that information. And that is why we go back to those, that triangle I was talking about as we approach this year and preparing our environments. So if you're preparing your environment, we're thinking about the furniture, we're thinking about the material, we're thinking about the books that we have, we're thinking about the things that might allow my child to become more independent in the way that he's moving in this environment. But we also wanna think about the material and the kind of material that we're giving our child in this environment, because again, he's absorbing all of that in, regardless of whether he's one or two or three or four, or regardless of his age, we want to give them a beautiful environment. And what that beautiful environment means in the Montessori method is a simple environment. And isn't that what Islam teaches us? You know, Islam teaches us don't go and buy too much. Do not do israf. Do not, you know, go and buy everything and have everything. Be cautious and conscious of how you are purchasing things. And the Montessori approach is really it's very simple and that is really what I like about it. However, media and social media might have made it seem very complicated, but in reality, if we go back to the root of it, if we go back to the writings and the work of Dr. Montessori, it's simple. So how do we create this environment? Let's explore that together. The way that we can create this environment is number one, work with what you have. Um, I do not want you to go out and rush and you know, think that you have to buy so many things. Work with what you have and revisit what, uh, revisit what you already have. So you might be looking at these things and saying, you know, I, I have these books, but you know, they've, I've had them for so long. Have you used what you have to its fullest potential? Um, it could be the books that you have. It could be the, the, the curriculums that you have. Um, and really what I would invite you is to think about if you wanna purchase things and prepare your environment, Prepare your environment with things that are attractive to your child and not to you. Um, and what I mean by that is that you might be rushing to buy something because you saw someone else buying it. The key principle is, how will this serve my child? And how will this serve my child's development? Um, you know, in this workshop right now, I'm not going to give you a list of things that you need to buy because I don't know your children. I don't know your environment. I don't know how old your children are and I don't know what your children's interests are. Guess who knows that? You do. You are your child's best teacher and you are the person who knows them the best. 
But the key principle from the Montessori philosophy is this, how will this material serve my child and in what ways? And you might say, well, I can't, I, I don't know that. How am I supposed to know that? There's really, it's really logic. It's really common sense. Um, and so there are some key principles, again, that we need to follow. If it's too flashy, um, if it's too colorful, if it's too stimulating, um, then that's not really effective. If it is simple and wooden and natural, that's really what we're looking for because the less stimulation there is, the more concentration that there's going to be. Another principle in purchasing Montessori is don't follow these material or these items that just say, this is a Montessori toy. Um, you know, this is, this, will, this, is, this is what it does. I want you to become good consumers of information. Um, and the only way for you to do that is to educate yourself. And to educate yourself means that we need to go to the source of information. So if you're interested in the Montessori method, don't go, your, your starting point is not Montessori blogs. Your starting point is the work of Dr. Montessori because you need to understand that philosophy. And I've, I've spoken about this previously, which is we need to have an infrastructure of knowledge. And that infrastructure should come from the source. It, could, it should come from the people who are most knowledgeable about this subject. And so going back to purchasing material and preparing our environment, let's think about that. What do we need? Um, we need language. We need mathematics. If you are teaching another language like myself, we're teaching Arabic. I need Arabic material. I need arts, if that's something that's interested, interesting to you. Um, you need culture. So in reality, it's, it's, the subjects are not really, we're, we're, in Montessori, we're not, we don't create new subjects. We're not you know, uh, creating this whole new world that, that, that doesn't exist or that it's a secret world. It's really the basics. And so what is really appealing and what is different is that we learn through our senses. And there's this uh, area of sensorial learning, especially for the children between the ages of three to six and learning through reality. So what we do is that we give children real things. If we're learning through the senses and I'm learning the letters, I not only sit down and just see the letter on a flashcard, I'm actually making the letter with my hands. Um, I'm actually using the sand to make the letter. And so this sensorial experience, I'm hearing the letters through my ears. And so this complete sensorial learning um, is something that you can apply with no material. You don't need to have material to give your child a sensorial experience of language because you can sing songs together. You can play sound games where you're, for example, saying, I'm thinking of something that has the buh, buh, buh sound. Does that require any material? No. And so these are little things that we can um, think about. Whatever the subject is, approach it in the way as, how can I approach this from all the senses? Have I covered all the senses? Um, my, my child has seen this letter. Has he heard it enough? Has he experienced it through his hands? Um, and this really, whatever the hand does, the mind remembers. This is another uh, thing that Dr. Montessori discovered. So are we engaging his hands or are we sitting him on a table um, and you know, telling him what to do? That is not the Montessori method. The Montessori method also includes a lot of movement. And so these are principles that you can apply as well. And, but how do we do that? How do we really make that applicable? I'll give you a few examples. Think about nouns and adjectives and verbs. That's a really, really abstract concept. So one of the lessons in the Montessori method is that if we're talking about verbs, 
I write a verb on a paper and I say jump and I give it to my uh, child. I give it to my daughter and she reads it. And I tell her, if I tell her this is a verb, you know, that is, that is the traditional education. We tell the child, these are verbs, these are nouns. Instead, I don't tell her that this is a verb. I, I tell her, read this and act it out. Can you act that word out? And she starts jumping. And then I give her another word and I, it says walk. And she starts walking. Um, and then after a while, you know, after we've done this maybe for one week, two weeks, or a certain period of time, I tell her, you remember all those words that you, when you were moving, we call those words verbs. So she's actually experienced a verb without me having to sit her down and tell her this is a verb and this is a noun. Now, do you think that that is going to stay with her more versus sitting down and, you know, just looking at a piece of paper and, you know, reading what a verb is? So movement is a big component of um, the work that we're going to do and preparing our environment uh, means that we are preparing material. We are making this environment a place where the child can act independently and we are incorporating movement. We are incorporating the senses for the child. Um, another aspect of preparing our environment is thinking about the details of, you know, the lessons and the curriculum and all of that. And you might be asking, you know, what are the what is the Montessori way to do that? And the principle is this, we work with the concrete and then we move to the abstract. Meaning that if I'm working with mathematics, um, there's a lot of concrete material that allows the child to experience numbers. And, you know, I think there's some research that we have to do on ourselves. If this is something that you really want to understand, uh, I can't summarize the entire Montessori method and give you the details of it all in, in just one session. But what I'm trying to do here is to kind of give you the key principles that it works on so that if you feel that these principles align with you and this is a way that you would like to educate your child, then that is an opportunity for you to look further and to research further and to know more about this, um, this area. So in choosing your curriculum and choosing your material, um, you, can, you can go to websites. There's this website called Info Montessori. And Info Montessori is really uh, for children between the ages of three to six. And it will show you every single lesson that we do with the children in all of the areas. Um, I'm not gonna go through that, of course, in detail, but this is for you to look at. And if it feels too overwhelming for you, my personal advice, one thing that I would maybe definitely recommend is the mathematics. This is what sets the Montessori method um, apart from everything else. Um, a lot of people have this fear with mathematics and they have like this anxiety from math. So I would invite you to kind of uh, look at this approach uh, and focus on the mathematics because it really allows the child to experience addition to experience multiplication through his senses and to physically be doing that work and not through just the abstract because the child between the ages of three to six is still not able to abstract and yet we expect him to. And so what the Montessori method does is that it understands how the child is developing and it gives him the material and the resources and the approach that aligns with his development. So they're all working together. And so what happens when you put these two things together is the child is going to flourish. The child is going to be happy. And a quote for Dr. Montessori is, joy is the evidence of growth. 
And that's another indicator for you. If my child is not happy and he's struggling and he's, you know, unsatisfied, that's an indicator for me that something is not right and I need to change something. So going back to this idea of preparing our environment, we're preparing the material, we're preparing our curriculum, um, we're preparing our resources, and we're doing that by following the Montessori principles of asking ourselves, how is this serving my child? And I'm, getting I'm accessing information from the source, from websites that are credible, and from Dr. Montessori's work. That is kind of what will set me apart. If you do want to purchase Montessori curriculums, my personal advice is please do not do that, because let me tell you why. The Montessori curriculums are all linked to Montessori materials. And if you are not familiar with the Montessori materials, um, you're just going to open this curriculum and it's, gonna, it's going to be gibberish to you. It's not going to make any sense. However, what you can learn from the Montessori curriculums, and that is available on Info Montessori, it's free of charge, is you look at the sequence. And that sequence tells you what we're doing in math what we're doing in language for the child of three, for the child of four, for the child of five, for the child of six. And that gives you an idea of, you know, okay, this makes sense. How can I, how can I, what material do I have at home that could maybe make this a little bit more sensorial, that could a little bit make this more fun? How can I incorporate movement into these lessons? And in that way, you're taking the best of Montessori and the resources that you already have and you can supplement with a few Montessori materials that you think are necessary to purchase that you think will be very helpful to you. And of course, you can ask me, you can message me and you can tell me, you know, um, there's this material that I'm not really sure about. Should I purchase it or not? Go to people who are trained. Go to people who are knowledgeable about this subject, because instead of wasting your time and, um, you know, getting different opinions, just go to the source. That is what I would like to say. So we've prepared our environment. We are ready. We feel that we are ready. Um, of course, some of us might feel that we're never ready. Um, but, um, you know, you have to work with what you have. And my biggest advice for you from the Montessori philosophy is this. If we wait for everything to be perfect, it's never going to be happen. And we follow the child. And this leads me to my second point, which is preparing the child during this year. Um, and I know it might all seem overwhelming and it's just really a lot, but believe me, if we take the time to just sit with our children and observe our children and follow this concept, which is follow the child, um, then we will be ready. So what does this idea of follow the child mean? Well, when Dr. Montessori suggested it or discovered it, um, it goes back to this idea that, that I was mentioning earlier, which is, you know, the child is able to construct himself. The child is capable. He knows what he needs. And she discovered that the child goes through something called sensitive periods. And these sensitive periods are periods where the child, we notice he's really interested in something. He's really interested in counting numbers. And this is a sensitive period for math. And so what we do is, we give the child the opportunity to do just that, because that means that within him, there's something that is guiding him, that is telling him, you know, you really, you're really interested in math, you really wanna work on this right now. And this allows him to fully develop that area or to, you know, fully explore that area. Sometimes we notice that our children are repeating things so many times 
They're going up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs, or maybe they're just, you know, tearing this paper over and over again. And we're looking at them and we're puzzled. And we're asking ourselves, what is, what is he doing? What is going on? Or something that seems to be complete, like, okay, you cleaned the table. Why do you want to clean it again? This repetition is, is an indication that our child is going through sensitive periods. Um, and these sensitive periods um, are indicators for us that this child is developing and he's constructing himself. And that means that when we're following the child, when we're preparing the child, or when that child is part of this formula, is that we give that child these opportunities. We give that child these, these moments where he can explore that and compare that to regular schools or traditional schools. There's, we don't get, have that opportunity to do that with children because we have a set curriculum that needs to be applied to everybody and that needs to be finished. However, in the Montessori method, we believe that every child is different. Even in traditional schools, we say that all the time. We say, you know, every child is different. And please don't think that I'm, I'm here to say that traditional schools are not good or that they're doing a bad job. That is not at all what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just giving you an opportunity to kind of look at things from a different perspective and just see things that because we've been so accustomed to certain ways of doing things that we believe that this is the way to do it. This is the only way to do it. And I'm here to tell you that there's another way to do it. And so we believe that children are different and children have different inclinations and different interests. So what is so wrong with following these interests? What is so wrong if my child is really into bugs right now and he really wants to learn about, um, to learn about the anatomy of bugs and the parts of a bug and, or maybe he's interested in leaves. And um, I don't want to dismiss that. I respect my child. And again, going back to why I believe that the Montessori method is so in, so in parallel and in tune with the Islamic method and the Islamic approach to educating our children. Because in Islam, we believe that everyone is equal. And when we say that, that also includes children. So if I am going with this idea that I am working with an equal, if I'm working with an adult and this adult tells me, you know what, Esra, I'm really interested in nature and nature really draws me in. Do I tell him, oh, I'm, you know what? No, no, you can't do that right now because right now it's September and it's, um, you know, it's September 10th and it's five o'clock and you should be doing math right now. Or, you know, we don't do that. We listen to that other person. We listen to their ideas and we respect their ideas. And that is really, um, that is really what I want for you to develop with your children. It is not easy. It's really, really hard. Um, and please don't mistake this with the idea that we're just letting them do what they, what they want to do, because this is a really misconception about the Montessori method, that there's a lot of freedom that they get to choose. They choose within limits. And we, the adult, we are setting those limits through our communication, through the environment that we have prepared for them. So when we're going back to this idea of preparing the environment, everything is at their level, everything is at their reach, but I show them how to use this material. I show them how they can use this toy or this resource, and there's a certain way of doing that. So yes, you can use this work whenever you like. You can do math or language or nature study or Arabic when you choose, but there's a limit. And I'm not gonna allow my child sit for six or seven or eight hours doing this for maybe three or four weeks without touching anything else. I guide my child. I suggest to my child doing, doing certain things, but I give him a choice. And sometimes this might, we, we might have to get a little um, sneaky or we might have to be suggestive of certain things, 
Because of course, we, we wanna guide our children and we're not just going to give them that freedom to do everything. So that freedom comes with limits. But the point I would like to stress is, is that we need to be observing our children, observing their interests, because those interests are the keys for how I will approach this education. So we're spending this time this year in our homes with our children. You have a great opportunity. This opportunity might not come again because before we were sending them to school for six or seven hours, we had barely any idea to observe them and see them. But now we are observing them. We can see them, we get to know them. And you know, when COVID started, I was shocked because I felt like I was being reintroduced to my children. I felt like I was like, who are these children? And I felt like I was being, you know, get to know them on a deeper level. I got to see what, what they were struggling with and what they were thriving with and what, they, what were the areas that they were avoiding. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, how did I not know this about my children? How did I not know this? And I'm sure that I'm not the only one. And so this year we have this opportunity to observe our children. And that observation of our children requires us to be really humble and to not pass these judgments on our children and to not pass what happened yesterday and bring that baggage with us for today. Um, every single day is an opportunity for us to begin a, a new beginning with our children, regardless of that tantrum, regardless of that horrible lesson that didn't work out yesterday, regardless of that Zoom call that was a total failure yesterday, we have an opportunity every single day to observe our children and notice things. And believe me, when we're so fast and we're so in a hurry, we miss those opportunities because our children are communicating with us. They are telling us what they need, um, but we're just too in a hurry to sit down and observe. So at the end of each day, this is a practice that I do that I really think is, is going to be helpful for everyone who's approaching homeschooling and approaching being with their children this year. I sit down and I write the names of my children and I write down what are some of the things that really struck me? What are some of the statements or you know the, the things that they said that are really indicators for, for me um, that this is something that they're really interested in or that this is something that they're struggling with? And I'll give you a few examples. That could be something like, Mom, did you see that huge leaf, you know, that we were passing by? I've never seen a leaf like that before. I wonder how that leaf, you know, why is that leaf different than the other leaves? And so this is something that might happen really casually. And the next day I wake up and, you know, we have a certain lessons that we have to do or she goes on Zoom and she does her lessons. And what happens to that curiosity? What happens to that lesson? It disappears. Or I noticed that my child, when I was in the kitchen, he was working really hard because he wanted you know, to, to, to knead that, that, that dough or to cut that apple. And he was struggling with that. Why was he struggling with that? Maybe, maybe the knife or, of course, if he's old enough, was just too hard for them. And I need to prepare a better environment for him. I need to give him better, better physical tools. Or maybe the counter was just too high and he was, he was really trying to do something. And so th these are just little moments. And every single day, imagine if we're doing this every single day, um, how better our environment is going to be in one month, in two months, in three months. And um, our environment is not going to be perfect. Please do not think that you need to set aside a weekend and say to yourself, okay, it's the weekend, I'm gonna prepare the environment, the environment is gonna be ready on Monday. 
your environment is going to change. Your environment is going to grow. And your environment, if I, if I wish I had a picture right now to show you how I first started with my children. It was an empty room and I just had cardboard boxes. Um, and I just, I didn't even have shelves yet. And I just had put, you know, a few things that were at their level. We had two rugs, we had a few crayons, we had their favorite books. And we just sat there and we talked and we opened these books and I would just invite them. I was like, what would you like to do next? You know, and my children are seven. And, and at that time, yes, she was six and um, three. Um, and it was a little bit challenging for my three-year-old because I had to always be with him. I had to you know, constantly be with him. But then with time, because everything was at his reach, we would walk into this environment and I would ask him, he's like, you know, what would you like to work on first? What would you like to choose? Um, and don't get me wrong, they weren't, everything wasn't all Montessori and not everything was academic. There were puzzles. Um, there were, you know, things where he had to lace things and all of that is work. Um, and so going back to this, this idea of observing your child and working with your child, it's a practice and it requires practice. It requires time. So please give your, yourself that grace, but be cautious of that and say to yourself, this year I am working on developing this environment and observing how is this environment serving my child and serving me. And I'm observing my child and I'm learning how to observe my child and I'm learning to better listen to my child and be in tune with my child and so that I can really connect with him. And this connection, um, you know, our, the, at school, they tell us that, you know, your child needs time to connect with his teacher. The child needs time to connect with, you know, his friends. Your child already has that connection with you. He doesn't, we don't need to, uh, to start from scratch. You're his parent, you're his guardian, you're his, he loves you, he adores you. So that connection is already there. What we're doing through the Montessori approach is that we're being cautious of this connection and we're asking ourselves, how can I work with my child to the, so that I am serving him? I am serving him and I am respecting him and I am listening to what he has to say and listening to what his interests are. This is really how we observe our child. So we need to set aside that time for us to be aware of how our child is growing and how our child is changing um, and be aware that this growth and this change takes time. Uh, my final point about, you know, uh, observing our children during this year is specifically this year following the Montessori method um, is that in Montessori in general in regular circumstances, we are developing, as, as I said, the whole child. So we are looking at the social, emotional, cognitive, academic, physical development. And these stay true for this year as well. But what strikes, uh, what is going to come most this year is the social and emotional well-being of your children. Please, 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 if there's anything you will take from this, uh, from this meeting, from this workshop, is that please remind yourself every single day that we are in unprecedented circumstances. We are in challenging circumstances. And so our expectations of our children should not be the same. Your children are undergoing, their world has changed. And so right now, for me, for my children, what is a priority is their social and their emotional well-being. And that is something that I've added 
to what I want to work on with my children. And I'm trying to figure out different opportunities in different ways. Maybe going through nature more. Um, that is something that's really been a great help for us. Connecting with nature has really kind of been our, it's been a place of refuge for us to work on these emotions and to talk and to change that environment because we can't go to see friends. And I know everyone is in a different state at a different country and some might be lucky that you are able to see maybe a few family members but for me personally that's that's not an option for us so this social emotional well-being please take that into consideration and remind yourself of that um, I don't know how much time we have left I do have one point that I would like to stress on yeah sure sure go ahead okay so the last point so we talked about this triangle of we've prepared our environment we are observing our child and we're preparing our child um, now we have to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare the adult. Um, and so how are we going to do that this year? How are we going to really, um, don't dismiss yourself and don't think that, okay, I have to get the best curriculum. I have now the best material. You know, I, I prepared this space. My home is ready. Everything is ready. I'm good to go. Let me tell you, you are not good to go unless you have prepared yourself. And that preparation of the self requires a spiritual preparation. This is something that Dr. Montessori talks about, the spiritual preparation of the adult. And again, isn't that what Islam teaches us? Before we do our salat, we do a niyyah. Before we go to hajj, we do a niyyah. Before we do our fasting, we do our niyyah. And in education, before we approach any, any, uh, any subject uh, or anything in life for that matter in Islam, um, we have a niya, and so my niya for educating my children using the Montessori method or whatever method it is that you are that you believe is the best for your children. I'm not here to sell you that method. I'm here to tell you that um, these are its principles, and if it aligns with you, great. Um, so my niya is how will this knowledge make us closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala? Our knowledge in math, our knowledge in biology, our knowledge in language. And am I focusing on this knowledge just because we have to finish the second grade and go to the third grade? That is definitely an aspect of it. But I always want to be cognizant of and remembering that this knowledge of the end of the day should be for the purpose of serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and raising this whole child who is a whole Muslim who will eventually go into this community and we want them to serve this community and be an effective part of this community. Whether it's the Muslim community or the American community, the community, the human community, that is what we really want to be instilling in them. And so I really want to, um, I want to end with this. Take time for yourself. This is not, a, I'm not talking about self-care or that is really important. That is something that is crucial. But I'm talking about in terms of the spiritual preparation, in terms of how are we going to educate our children this year and how are we going to approach our children this year? Prepare yourself to um, remind yourself of that niya constantly. We don't do it once and then we leave it. Constantly prepare yourself. Make your dua and increase your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he guides you, that he helps you, that he gives you the patience and the ability to you know, approach this year, this challenging year that we might have. And inshallah, it might, this, it might seem like a challenging year, but to me personally, 
this is a great opportunity for us to reconnect with our children and to become closer to Allah with our children. All of those lessons that we weren't able to give them in the traditional school, maybe they were in a public school, we have an opportunity now to include Quran and to include the stories of our prophets um, in our lessons and to integrate that into everything that we're doing. Um, and so preparing ourselves spiritually means that we take time for ourselves to reflect on how we're doing as educators and how we're doing as parents and to give ourselves the grace and realize that we are doing something that is extremely difficult. We're not all trained to be teachers and we're being asked to do something that is above our capabilities and above of what we believe that we're capable of. But we've been asked to do this task and this is the responsibility that we have. So um, I hope and I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that through this knowledge, you become more empowered to trust yourself to trust your children and to realize that you can make this a wonderful year using the principles of the Montessori approach. Um, and I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he guides you all and that he aids you all in this year and that it is a wonderful, wonderful year for all of you filled with knowledge, filled with Iman, filled with a closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a knowledge that will serve us in this life and in the life that comes after this one, inshallah. Um, and please remember that I am here for any questions. Um, you can follow my account and uh, you know, ask me any questions that you will send me a message. Um, and I'm very, very honored um, for this opportunity to be on your platform with, um, um, with you today. And I'm, again, I'm very humbled by your presence and uh, I would like to thank you so much uh, with all my heart. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakumallahu khairan, sister. That was extremely beneficial. And um, I wanted to just take, we're going to start Q&A now. So ladies, please put any questions you have in there. Um, but I'm going to cover some things, some we have from you, some other sisters um, dialed in through Instagram and sent in questions. But I just want to take two minutes to just recap some things I loved that you said. Um, first of all, you mentioned something about, um, you know, how can I work with my child to serve him or her. And I think we sometimes forget that this beautiful work that we're doing is an amana and it's their haq, it's their rights upon us, our children to give them the best of education. And the mother is the first school. So this is just that opportunity for that, that ibadah that Allah has given us. And I love that you mentioned the development of concentration. Something as simple as our child peeling something or cutting, subhanAllah, I think this is a time with, we have devices like rampant and this lack of focus and concentration, our children just feeling overwhelmed by just being bombarded with things. And I think that's such a huge thing that we can use to help them in order to gain back their focus. So I love that you touched on that. And the fact that we're taking the time to observe myself as an educator as well. I tell women all the time, have a little clipboard or notepad or anything next to you and write those things down. Cause like you said, those moments are so fast and they pass and then we can't remember those micro moments after a couple of days. And I can't either, I'm not, I'm not superhuman. So, so alhamdulillah, that's really great. And um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us to observe in the Quran. So this is like you said, very aligned with Islam. And the, the last one I mentioned is the movement. You know, so often as educators, we think the ideal situation is sit down, be quiet, which is the opposite of the developmental stages of children. And then we think 
they're misbehaving, but in fact, they're just being themselves in their proper age. So we actually have to align ourselves with them. And you'll find the relationship just blossoms because we then, subhanAllah, are, you know, doing what actually makes sense for their developmental stage. So I love that. And that's why I love Montessori and all the, the um approaches that um, all the different approaches to the situations that you mentioned so jazakumullahu khairan and like you said lastly this is a beautiful opportunity sometimes in the like the the covid situation we could see all the negatives but you're right i've seen so many families reconnect and i love that so jazakumullahu khairan um and one of the sisters she asked um she went to us she has a tween slash teen it's that upper age that i know we mentioned before together um where can she start with this i know you mentioned that website for the primary is there anything you would suggest for the upper if they wanted to get more information or like how could they begin if they never before have been exposed to Montessori and now they think this is something good for them yes that's a great question so you can go to AMI which is Association Montessori International I'm not sure if it's org or dot uh, com and AMI so this is the association that's why I was telling you go to the source of knowledge this is Dr. Montessori's education. That is where I received my training. So if you see anything that is AMI, it means it is the purest, the, this, this is the source. Um, and so at, at that website, she will find that is divided into primary and elementary and even infants and toddlers. Um, and so through that, you can access information for elementary. Um, I do have two accounts on Instagram. I'm really sorry, I don't recall their name. Maybe I can email them to you. These two accounts have been really, really beneficial for me personally because I have an elementary child. Um, and so hopefully I'll send that to you, but go to that website um, and that hopefully will give you some guidance of how to approach elementary, the elementary child. If anything, um, my advice would be to two things. First of all, the elementary child is really seeking independence in terms of they no longer learn within that environment. So they learn in the outside environment. They need to go on explorations and you know, field trips. And that's not possible right now, but I'm sure there's lots of virtual things that they can do. Um, and they, that information is, um, that, that opportunity, they have this thing called the uh, going out program where the child is, he's learning about, you know, uh, transportation by actually going to a car manufacturer or a, or a you know, car uh, company or a, you know, a, a, anything that is related to that subject. So that is also something that she might like to include um, in giving that child the opportunity for him to actually seek that knowledge on himself from those places. Um, so AMI is the website. Um, and yeah, I'm going to put that up here now for them. Sisters in the, in the chat, you'll see um, that. And inshallah, if there's anything else you want to touch on or you find one in the meantime, that's great. So the other thing is some sisters were asking about, um, like, if they wanted to go with the curriculum, I know that you mentioned something about, like, they could go on that one website. So that was really mm -hmm. good. Um, if they wanted to, like, start tomorrow and they, like, literally had nothing, what might be the first next step that you think for them? Uh, well, I would need to know the age group. So if you're working with toddlers or zero, zero to three, um, then you would begin with a website called um, the Montessori Notebook. Um, and this person, her name is Simone, and she is one of the, um, you know, top Montessorians, but gives such really good advice that is really um, divided. It's not overwhelming. Um, and she has a book called The Montessori Toddler. 
Um, and that is also a book that I would highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, the other, the other uh, point that I would like to mention is another book called Montessori from the Start. So these two books are really your starting point because I'm not gonna tell you, um, go and buy this material. I'm gonna tell you, educate yourself first and then go you know, start researching. Um, the next step I would, it's a little exercise that I like to do is I like to go through my house and I like to walk through my house from the moment I park my car and I imagine that I am the child. And I think about all the steps that I have to do as an adult and I think of my child if he's able to do that as well. So for example, I walk in and I wanna hang my coat. If my child wants to hang his coat, is there a hanger that is at his level? Yes or no? I wanna place my, my shoes. Is there a place for him to place his shoes or am I placing them randomly every single time? One time they're in the front of the door, one time they're in the garage or... So I think about these little things and then I think about, okay, I went into the kitchen, I went into the bathroom, I went into the living room. So I do this little exercise and that really is my next step because it allows me to say, okay, maybe I need to get a stool or maybe I need to get a towel that is, that is uh, small enough for him. Um, and maybe I need to have some shelves in his room so that when he wants to get dressed, the hanger isn't really just too high for him and he just can't access his clothes. So that would be my, my second step and educating myself through these books. Yeah, I totally agree. And even myself as an educator, whenever I have to look into something new, I do spend some time for myself. And I know it's hard as moms, like we don't always like have time to sit and read a book. But what I tell moms, and I'll tell you all the women here as well, and on Thrive Muslim, we also have... Um, you know, um, sections on how to make your morning routines. I know you mentioned the spirituality of the mother and how we have to do that for ourselves. So how can we get time to read, set things up, do all this stuff? It's not impossible, even though it feels like it. What it might require us to do is just change our schedule. So for myself, and I always encourage women to wake up before the kids. If you wake up before the kids, your mood is a bit better. You've had time to wake yourself up, get your coffee, whatever it is, and move into the day. And in that time, that's when I read the Quran. That's when I maybe catch up on a book like this. And um, so I know it can feel like we don't have it, but if we think about our day and the time and how to manipulate it, um, I think it could be something that we, we could actually do if we really want. So just mm -hmm. one sister, and, and I actually had two. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, um, so one sister said, write the books. Yes, I have the books written down. Um, so no worries. And I'll put those up as well. And um, I'll mention them also in the um, in the Thrive uh, membership. I'll also put those up there as well in Chilta but I'll put them here. Um, one sister was asking, okay, so we have the three to six. Let's say um, we had the tweens, we mentioned some things, but let's say if we wanted to um, focus on like a child that's nine or 10, um, mm -hmm. you know, in this age, the sister was saying how, she said catch up, but what I'm, what I'm imagining she's also meaning is like, okay, we've lost this time where we could have done it earlier. And so yeah. now what are maybe the most important things that I can focus on at this age or like, how can I, I get to that age and start working on that? Wonderful question. And um, my child is at that age. She's, uh, she's okay. Let's answer the question. So your key points are choices. So even if your child is not in the Montessori method, he is not following that curriculum. You have a curriculum that's from school or from any other source. We give your child choices. What I mean by that, if you're going to do spelling work, if you're going to do biology work, what work would you like to work on? Would you like to work with this or with this? Um, so by just giving them opportunity to have these choices empowers them. So instead of this idea of the adult and the child is here and you know we're making those decisions, include him in the decisions. 
Another way that we do that is we have meetings with our children. So we have this uh, journal and in that journal, um, my daughter wakes up and this is, this is not just for my daughter, this is what they do in the elementary classroom. They walk into the environment um, and this can be applied to any school of thought, whatever approach you're using. And she says, okay, right now it's 9 a.m. And I would like to work a little bit on math. So she writes that at 9 a.m. I started my math work. And then she finishes, let's say at 9.30. And so she logs that in, in her journal. And she says, 9.30, I did, let's say my table of fours, for example. Um, and then she says, okay, now I would like to work on, you know, um, geography. Um, and so this is something that we get, that can be applied in, a, in the home environment because we have that flexibility. So if your child already has lessons that he has to finish um, that are set by the school, you know, you can ask him, what would you like to start with first? But that's not the end of the journal. What happens is that this child is logging in all of this and it's not that he closes the journal and that's it. At the end of the week, me and her sit together and we have a meeting. And we open this journal and I tell her, you know what, Fatima? So I see here that throughout all of this week, you spend maybe an hour only um, on mathematics. Is there a reason for that? You know, what was going on? And that's where I get my information. Um, that's where I get, you know, and she's like, oh, you know, it was very difficult. It was very challenging. And of course, I'm with her throughout that week. So I made my observations. I know what's going on. But you see what I did here? It didn't come from me telling her, you only did an hour of math. Why, were, why did you only do an hour of math? She observed because she wrote it down and we have that discussion together. And that is one way I am, you know, giving her that choice. Now, I know a lot of people might say, you know, I, I think I saw a message, someone saying, you know, uh, the child is stubborn and they, they don't want to make, they, you don't want to make it worse. You don't want to, um, yeah, like relinquishing control. And if the child has a particular, they, they don't want to do anything. And then like, you're yeah. like, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, the second about key point here with, with this age group is interests. And, you know, the simplest thing that we can do that we really overlook is we sit down with a child and we ask them, what are you interested in? What would you like to know more about? Or, you know, going back to that idea of observation and believe me, they will tell you at that age, they're not three and four. They don't, they know what they like. Um, and sometimes they might say, you know, you know what? I've never really thought about that. I don't know what I like. And that's okay too. And so that, that's an opportunity for exploration. Um, and there's so many things that happen that are, that are not very obvious to us, such as nature, cooking, uh, Legos, all of these that you might think, you know, these are things that my child is really um, in, in, engaged in and he's enjoying, but they're not academics. Well, ask yourself, how can I um, make it into academics? Um, and so, for example, in cooking, when we're doing measurements, um, you're, you're giving the child the recipe, they have to be thinking about their measurements and that's science in itself. And they, you know, they might have to be looking at the cup and doing all that. Um, another, I think I said, I said two points, but I do have one more point about this, this, uh, this situation where we have children who are not really cooperating or children who are not really interested is we integrate work. So we do not separate math and geography and language. Um, there's this methodology by which, and we can include Islam in that. So I'll give you a quick example. Let's say we're doing a lesson on rivers, okay? And we can have an ayah about the rivers in the Quran, one ayah. And then we talk about the geography, like we mentioned the facts about rivers and how they end up in the ocean. That's the geography part of it. 
And then he's also reading, right? So let's take that opportunity in reading to do some reading analysis. So what is a river? Is a river a noun or is it a verb? And so there you're doing Islam, you're doing a little bit of geography, you're doing a little bit of reading, and then maybe from that paragraph, we can do some spelling work. And so you can have that, you know, that document with you and you can say, okay, let's, you know, let's write these five words together. Um, and so in that way, um, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you've covered, you've touched upon several areas. And so this idea of integration, we don't have to word it out for the child. We don't have to say for the child, you know, okay, right now we're doing math. Right now we're doing science. Right now we're doing biology. Um, it can have a very natural rhythm, a very natural flow with a child. Um, and so really we have to be creative. And that goes back to this idea of us reflecting. Or if he did a lesson and he was really interested in, let's take that lesson and see what can I add to this lesson from other areas so that if that is something that he's interested in, I'm kind of piling up other things around it. Just little things, not too much. Don't overwhelm it. Don't go crazy and think, you know, I have to put it all together. Even art, you can integrate art into that lesson that we did about rivers. So right away, you're doing Islam, you're doing art, you're doing reading, you're doing spelling, um, you're doing geography, all in one lesson. Yeah, Jazakallah, sister. I know, and I want to just piggyback off of that as a fellow educator to talk about in the practical sense of planning for women. Okay, so many of us, we come to these traditional like, you know, no one adds and adds and we have to do just like everything compartmentalized. So for women who are listening, I wanted to tell you, um, wh which I totally agree and actually teach the same way that you're mentioning when I use the Montessori method or not, just because it's the right approach. It's actually not good for us to, to separate them because they're not separated. In real life, they're not separated, right? So what I would do in planning is this. If I have to do math and I have to do um, fractions and I ask my, or, or even let's go back a step, go back to where you said um, asking your child about interest. So scientific um, research shows that when you teach children in a thematic sense, it's actually better because there's a lot more repetition and integration. So for example, my son, um, he loves um, bugs. And so if I did bugs, I could do math with bugs. I could do social studies with bugs. So like where are they located in the geography map? Like, so you can take his theme and then look at the standards or whatever it is that you have to accomplish and say, which of these could I fit under the theme of of bugs and teach them simultaneously. So that's the way I kind of still tick the boxes and at the same time keep the interest. So I would just look at the curriculum and say, well, what could I integrate with this theme? Like you said, reading books. I could just go get a whole bunch of books on bugs. We could talk about bugs. We could create bugs with art. You could take that and, and just line it up with the standards and say, which of these could I use for that? And then I do a theme sometimes for like a month and then I'll switch into another one. And guess what? Your kids can list seven things that they love. And then that way, you know, for the next couple months, you've got some stuff to look into on Amazon that you could check out or when you hear a cool book club or something. So I love that. And it's not as hard as we think. It's actually, it makes our life so much easier. It really, really does. They don't fight us as much, guys. It's so much better. So um, one sister was asking a really important question, which I actually didn't think of, which is like, what's the Montessori approach to TV and devices and all this? So what is the thinking around this? I'm so glad you brought that up. So we, uh, we have a very strict policy, I guess, to be quite honest. I'm not going to um, sugarcoat it. Um, we really believe that we don't want to give screens to children at all. Um, the only time we give uh, screens to children is when they're doing their research, and that is when we are with them. So they're older. They're six or seven. And, but I really want to really 
just talk a little bit about this because what happens when your child is watching the screen is this. Um, everything is so fast, right? And it's really, it's too overstimulating. We all know the research. We all know what's recommended and what's not recommended. But in reality, what happens is that he loses that touch, his sense of his understanding of reality. So you're giving him two different realities. You're giving him the real world where the cow walks very slowly and it eats the grass. And then you're giving him the non-real world where the cow is just jumping up around and you know it's talking to other animals and all that stuff. Now you might say, well, he's watching the documentary and it's, it's real and it's authentic. If it's real and authentic, he has the real world for that. That is my argument. Um, the second point is um, with screens and, um, and the Montessori method, you know, we have so much more to give our children. Um, and I guess it might be argued that, you know, we need, we, need to, we, need a, we need a break, our children need to do that. And I think that's okay. I think to answer the question of what the Montessori approach is, yes, there are no screens, but what's the applicable, what's the realistic approach? Of course, our children watch TV. My children watch TV. Um, and you know what? That's fine. But here's the difference. There's a difference between you sitting and watching with them and discussing things with them, maybe after they watched it, or and you choosing what they're watching and being cautious and conscious of what they're watching and having a plan for that. So what we do in my household is we have two days where you can watch TV. One of them is a movie night. And on that movie night, we make it into an event. You know, and we, how do we include Montessori? Well, we have choices. You know, these are your three choices of movies. And who's responsible for making the popcorn? Who's responsible for cleaning up? So they're still doing some work and it's a fun family activity. Um, and we're watching a movie that we know is appropriate and doesn't have anything that is against our values. Um, and we're limiting that and we can do that. Of course you can do that. But uh, the idea of a screen replacing an educator, or you could say, oh, my child learned the numbers through this website, or my child learned the ABCs through this website. Please, 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 let me tell you, if he is memorizing the numbers, that is one thing. A parrot can memorize the numbers. But does he have the understanding of what that means? Does he have the understanding of what a four or what a five is? He does not. He's just repeating what he's hearing. And so if our child, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gave us this child with an absorbent mind, we have that responsibility to give them, um, you know, the best that we can give them. That doesn't mean that we have to dismiss TV. Just be conscious of that and set a limit that is agreeable and suitable for your family. Yeah, Jazakallah And, you know, you just reminded me, uh, we actually just put it maybe two podcasts ago, um, um, and, and podcasts all about devices and how to figure out if your child is addicted. Because sometimes we do leave them on too long and some, some parents, and they do get addicted and we're not aware, then behavior issues happen, learning issues. As an educator, I've had many kids sit in front of my classroom. It, it particularly happens with boys in video games where they just tune out. Because like, like um, you know, Esra said, they just get overstimulated. And when we're sitting there with the book, that is just so not stimulating for them anymore and then they tune out and they're on the floor and we don't know why and then we put them back on a device to soothe them and so this becomes a cycle so be really careful we have also um, an ebook on thrive muslim on that and actually some ways to tell if your child is um, addicted and then to actually help them get unaddicted or to do other variations of use with the screen that is is more minimal and realistic as well so thank you so much um okay i have two more questions one is um just 
like in Montessori method, children are given more access. So let's imagine the mom, she puts all the markers at eye level and the books and everything like that. A lot of moms are very leery about like the, the mess and the chaos of it. So can you speak to um, in the realistic sense, how to kind of balance it between the mom wanting to try that, but not wanting things to get out of hand and her stress levels up. And then she's, you know, not, you know, keeping to her emotional state. <laughs> so if you yes, can- absolutely. Two points about this. First of all, start small. So start with one thing that you're giving your child freedom with. Don't put everything all at once at the same time and expect that that's going to miraculously happen because this is what the Montessori method uh, suggests. So start with one thing, for example, if you wanna uh, have a small art area, um, you're going to set up, let's say, uh, some small pieces of paper, some small crayons, and maybe some, um, I don't know, some clay, okay? And they're all at his level or their level. The second point that I have to mention is that we don't just put them on the shelf and expect that he's going to come and by himself know how to take it out and put it back in. We have to show them and repetition here is key. So the phrases, the words that we, we, we do is, first of all, we introduce the material. We introduce what we've set up and say, hey, hey friends, I have something to show you. Oh, I'm talking in a classroom setting. Um, or you could, you know, your daughter or your child's name. You know, Fatima, I have something to show you. This is how we're going, this is our art shelf. And it could be a very small play, a very small, you know, shelf in a very small space. And I'll talk about, you know, small spaces in that. And then you could say, and anytime that you would like to, you know, do some art, I'm gonna show you today how you can do that. So I don't, I don't talk while I'm, while I'm doing it. I just show her and I take out the paper very slowly, especially for young children. We don't talk and do at the same time. We're either showing through action or we're talking because with young children, when you're doing that, they just zone out. They can't develop mentally. They can't do that. They're either watching your mouth or they're watching your hands. So you have to choose what it is that they're watching. And so I take out the paper um, and then I take out the crayons and I make a small painting and then I tell her, oh, I'm done now. And I return the material and I take the painting and I hang it or you know, I, wherever I need to put it. Um, and then I tell her, would you like to try? Now it's your turn. And she's gonna try. And guess what? Children imitate us, don't they? So if we're showing them how to do things the right way, they will imitate us doing it the right way. Now with young children, let me tell you, you will have to repeat over and over and over and be very clear with your language. This is not how we use it. And, you know, I'm being firm, but I'm still being, you know, loving and caring. You know, let me show you how we use it. Let me show you how we carry this tray. Oh, and so this concept, and so once you do that, and this is something in the Montessori method that we call normalization. So the child becomes normalized, he becomes adapted to the way that the things, the way that things happen in this environment. So if you want your child to know how to take things and return things and use things, you have to set up that, you know, start small and you have to be showing and demonstrating it. And here's another thing that usually as adults, what we do is we're walking around and you know, we're carrying so many things. And then what does our child do? He carries like three or four things at the same time and then he drops them and they break and he's frustrated. I wonder why that happens. 
it's because we were holding five things at the same time. So we can't expect our children to be returning things to their place and being organized if we ourselves are not demonstrating that to them. When they walk into my closet and all my clothes are on the floor, I shouldn't be surprised that when I walk into their closet, that's what they're doing. So demonstration is key here and repetition. Yeah, I love that. Jazakumullah khairan. Because we have to be the first model. I totally agree. And I, yeah. I've seen that myself. Um, as the last uh, question for the day, and then as I, I just put in the chat, guys, if you want to reach Sister Esra, I put her Instagram handle up. And if you want, again, the uh, the replay, the PDF, and any other homeschooling resources and support, um, the Thrive link is there. But um, are there any must-have, the last question is, are there any must-have manipulatives that you would say kind of in the Montessori method you should, I know you mentioned many things, but if like women were like, you know what, I just want to get whatever I can that's just minimal right now to start. I know it depends on the different children. So like maybe if you could just mention like two or three for like the three to six or for like the, the whatever it is, like four to five, just some, some basics. Or maybe there's certain staples that would be throughout the years for them that you think are just really very, very beneficial. That so uh, for, I'll start actually from the zero to three. Um, there's something called the learning tower. And this is like a tower that uh, where the child walks into it, he stands in it, and now he's at the level of the kitchen or the level of the table. And this is really, really great. My son is now four and we're still using it. So this has been with us for quite some time. It's a good investment to have um, because that way, every time he wanted to work on the kitchen, I'd have to like hold them and put them on the counter and that's not safe. Now he does this by himself. He knows where it is. He goes inside and he starts his work. Um, the second thing is shelves. Um, I know there's, there's Ikea shelves. Any shelving that is at your child's level is really important to have. And this is regardless of what material you're going to put at, um, that is really important. Um, also, um, and this is for all ages, is to have a small rug. And you can find, again, at Ikea or any other, like, um, you know, uh, home, uh, home store, um, a small rug where they can set their work. So usually when we're doing any kind of work, we set a rug. And this is like a lim uh, this is my space and this is giving the child the lesson in terms of respecting his own space and respecting someone else's space so if you have siblings and the other child that the sibling is working on another rug i don't just go and stand on their rug that is their space so a rug is also really important um, for younger children as well kitchen utensils like having um you know that those uh, small cutting board a small knife that is safe for them to use but actually cuts um, there's lots of Montessori, if you could just research Montessori kitchen utensils. Um, they're really, really affordable. You can find them on Amazon and you don't have to buy a lot. You just have to buy like this, uh, there's this vegetable cutter and you can use it. And again, my child has been using it since he was two. Uh, so, and so that is something that goes a long way. For the three to six year olds, um, I guess my biggest um, advice I, I, I can't think of one right now on the top of my mind, but I think um, having puzzles, wooden puzzles that are not stimulating, that don't have much color, um, you know, not like red and blue and green. So try to avoid, I guess I'm going to tell you what to avoid. So that'll make it easier for you to what to get, um, get real things. So there's puzzles that have, um, you know, parts of a flower, parts of a horse, these are really important. Anything that has to do with their fine motor skills. So if you go to Learning Resources, it's a website, it's a, it's a shop, you can find them on Amazon. It's also a website. 
they're not Montessori materials, but they have lots of tools for children and for children's hands and for their development that do align with the Montessori principles. Um, so it's called learning resources. So anything that has to do with like cutting, squeezing, because during that age, we're working a lot on developing those fine motor skills and focusing on the gross motor skills, so those big muscles. So a lot of times parents really focus just on, you know, making sure that they're fine, their pincer grip is really well, and we forget about those big muscles that also need to be moved. And those big muscles, they can be moved anywhere. They can be moved outside in the house. Um, so going for the three to six-year-old in terms of language, give them rich language, um, and that could be through good books. Give them real books that don't, we don't have dinosaurs that clean their rooms. Um, you know, we don't have, you know, ducks that, that talk all the time. That is okay, maybe at, at, an, at a little bit closer to five or six, but from the three to six, um, especially at the beginning, make sure you're giving them rich language orally, oral rich, rich language, that's really the material. We have a whole section in our albums, in our Montessori training, just about oral language and just, it's like this big. Um, and we overlook it. We don't, we think, oh, we need to have, you know, this puzzle or we need to have this, this toy or this. And really you have the, you, within you lies a lot of material that you don't realize you're capable of. Playing games with your children, as I mentioned, such as sound games, even as they get older, you can say, I'm thinking of something that has the buh sound in the middle, not at the beginning. So now you're making it a little harder. So those are some of the things that I think would be helpful for the three to six year old. Um, there's also a material that is called the stamp game. This is a Montessori math material that I highly recommend. And this, if there's anything you wanna learn, and this is for the five to six year old, um, because this material will allow you to do addition, subtraction, multiplication and division um, in a concrete way. And it's like a four in one. So this is a material that I think everyone who wants to approach Montessori math and has a three to six year old should purchase. And it's, it's very affordable. And if you go to Info Montessori, you can see how that presentation is presented because we don't just buy the material. There's a certain technique. There's a certain mechanism of doing things. Um, for the older child, um, really what I would recommend is that they're really interested right now in how the world works. So any kind of encyclopedias and they're really interested in research. So for the six to 12 approach, we have a research approach uh, that is the Montessori approach. Everything is done through research. So we need to get them resources for research and that could be through science experiments, um, you know, through encyclopedias that are age appropriate and through journals. So they have nature journals, they have um, science journals, and they're doing their own exploration, they're doing their own research. And really that is, that is a big bulk of their material. That's really great. And you know, you just, uh, just last thing to touch on, you mentioned the, the, the six to 12. So my son is eight going in nine and I interviewed him. I always interview them at the beginning of the year. Like, what do you, what would you like to learn about and all that stuff? And he said cooking. And he's also has like a very, uh, like an engineer type mind where he likes to problem solve. And I love that for kids because you want them to be the next, you know, citizens of the world that are solving all of our problems. So, and one thing I included actually also in Thrive Muslim that I showed on my Instagram just yesterday was I gave him challenge 
exchange cards. I, cre I created them where it says, um, you know, you have a charity that you have to put on. You need to research like all the different people that are coming. Maybe they need like a gluten-free, um, you know, dish, or maybe you have to research like how to, um, you know, get the tickets out to the people on the internet, or how can you send invitations or you can create invitations. And there were so many components to this one project of creating a charity that involved food and serving people, which is an Islamic thing. Maybe when they're older, they want to be dais and they want to like, you know, do this. And so there was cooking involved. We don't realize that there was math involved. There was science, there was research. There was just so many technical components they could create with art on Canva. And so I just want to say like, I love that. And we sometimes don't realize how much they can do, like you said, and we have to observe. So my son is very active and I was like, gosh, I'm going to give him more problem solution challenges and make them carry out through the week. And he's, they keep asking me, are we starting yet? Is today the first day of homeschool? And I'm like, alhamdulillah. So I encourage after everyone, you know, leaves this to please interview your children as one of the first steps and start the observing that sister Esra mentioned. I am so grateful that you came on. This is just a wealth of information. And in the chat, guys, I have put on... Um one sister just asked before we left, what game did you mention for the five to six year old? I think it was the yeah. stamp, right? The yeah. stamp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually have this. This works very, very well. Actually, I used it for my son. And it's funny. People ask like, how can he do math that well? I'm like, you don't understand. It really, really works. It's phenomenal. Right. So alhamdulillah, but Jazakallah khairan. I wanted to say like, sisters, I'm going to put this up uh, just so you know, like the replay is up, but also on the podcast, I'm thinking to put it up next week. So you might catch her there. Please catch her on her Instagram. She has amazing little hands-on videos that she does. She shows you with the manipulatives. I love to watch you. So if you want to catch her there, more than welcome. And um, if you want to reach me afterwards, if you don't catch me on Instagram, um, I'm at mindfulness at mindful-muslima.com, mindfulness at mindful-muslima.com. Thank you again, sister, for of coming course, on. Of course, thank you so much. The honor is all mine. All right, sisters, we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.